the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a good shepherd Sunday. I always like that uh, particular picture in the background of that hymn. It's a good shepherd Sunday. He stands there guarding and protecting his sheep. And he sends forth his grace, his mercy, and his peace. Acts 1, verse 8. These are the last words, because it says in verse 9, after he spoke these words, he was taken up into heaven. These are the last words that comes from Jesus' lips before he ascends up into heaven. I do not need to tell you the importance of last words. When one is executed, he is asked, do you have any final words? When a father is getting ready to go to heaven, he calls his boys to him. He says to his boys, promise me that you'll take care of your mother. And promise me that you'll take care of your sisters. Mom, as she's getting ready to go to heaven, she calls her boys to her. She says, I've taken care of dad for 50 years. Now I want you to promise me you're going to take care of dad. I want you to promise me you're going to take care of your sisters. And I want to tell you, promise me you won't fight so much. These are Jesus' last words. And when he speaks them, he's speaking them to 12 disciples. But he's speaking them to anyone who's ever laid their eyes on this passage. And by the Holy Spirit, have come to realize these are his last words to me. A mom or dad speaking last words, uh, what evokes the words is love. When Jesus speaks these last words, he, the good shepherd, is doing it because he loves his children on this earth. And he wants Paul Strand and you to love them as deeply as he does. And out of his mouth comes these words. You stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The Holy Spirit, when he comes to you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem where the Jews are. You'll be my witnesses in Judea where the Gentiles are. And you'll be my witnesses in Samaria where the Jew and Gentile have intermarried. And you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Asia Minor, Caesarea, Greece, Rome, Antioch, Spain, and Africa. You'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Does he want us to be a witness pertaining to God so that God's pride might expand? No. The angels in heaven rejoice. God himself rejoices over what? Over every sinner who repents. Why does God say to us, I want you to be my witness? 
Because you and I, better than anyone on the planet, ought to know what his power is like. More importantly, what his love is like. What his forgiveness is like. What he offers to us while we're on this earth, in the realm of protection and peace and mercy and grace. And what he offers to us when this life is over. Why would John Boer said, I've been a witness uh, for 42 years, and I shall never retire from that, because John Boer knows him, and anyone who knows him wants to share about him. Forty-one days earlier, before he's crucified, two words out of his mouth, this command, I command a new commandment to you, that you love one another. My twelve disciples, I want you to love one another. Stop fighting so much about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. I want you to love one another. By this will everyone you bump into know that you are my disciple, this love. And as I have loved you and will prove it by going to that cross, so ought also you to love one another. Forty-one days earlier, this command to love, it is connected inseparably with the command to witness. Someone called me a couple of weeks ago, said to me, the doctor who took care of Joshua when he had ulcerative colitis 20 years ago, is he still alive? Is he still practicing? Do you know where he's at? And I shared with them the name and the new place he's at. If you know somebody who can help you with ulcerative colitis, if you know somebody who's an expert in some illness you have, if you know a good plumber or a good dentist or a good doctor or a good car mechanic, and you keep this knowledge to yourself, is that not almost cruel? If you follow this command to love, and if you know what this good shepherd is like because of what he's done in your life, isn't it almost cruel to not share with others about him? New command I give you, love one another. John 16. Just before he goes to the cross, he says to them, In this world there will always be storms. There will always be trials. There will always be fires going on. But I'm telling this to you because I want you to know I've already overcome whatever storm you go through. And if you know who's with you in the storm, because he's been with you in storms, is it not almost cruel to not share with someone else who's hungry for God or thirsty for God or naked because they don't have him or in some sort of prison or sick because they do not have him? Is it almost cruel to not tell others about this good shepherd who has touched your life in immeasurable ways? Forty-one days later, he wraps it all up in a one statement. Love one another. Realize I'm with you in storms. You shall be my witnesses about these things. 
to the other ends of the earth. It's a command, people. This is not a suggestion. This is not a, why don't you think about it for a while, get back with me. This is not, well, I'm really shy and introverted. This is nothing about that. This is a command. It wasn't a last-minute thought that Jesus said as he was going up into heaven. This is something he thought about for three years. You shall be my witnesses. What is a witness? It's someone who tells something to someone else. What is a witness in a Christian sense? It's someone who has experienced something pertaining to Jesus. And they tell someone else that something about Jesus. What he has done, what he can do, what he will continue to do until the end of the ages. That's what a witness does. Tell somebody something about Jesus. Do you think Bartimaeus was quite an eyewitness? No pun intended. Jesus stands in front of him that day and says, Your eyesight shall be returned. Do you not think that Bartimaeus, for the next 20 years of his life, Whenever he bumped into anybody, he would tell them this story about Jesus. I was blind and now I see. I know Jesus is real. I know his miracles are real. How many people did he witness to? How many people are in heaven? Because Bartimaeus said, Jesus has done this for me. Granted, ten lepers were cleansed. Granted, only one leper came back and gave thanks to God. Maybe the nine did later on in their life. I can only hope and pray they did. But the one leper, don't you think for the rest of his life on this earth, when he was around other people, he didn't tell him about his leprosy. He told him about the one who cured him. How many people are standing in heaven because the leper was cleansed? told them about Jesus. I'm hoping that 10% of the 10,000 on the hillside, I'm hoping that 1,000 of the 10,000 for the rest of their days on this earth, whether they're 60 years age when it happened or six years of age when it happened, I hope for the rest of their days on this earth, they said to people, there was no food And Jesus said a prayer and snapped his fingers and there was food. I hope there are many, many people in heaven because a thousand on the hillside witnessed about him. We have word, the Bible. We have sacrament. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. And you and I have what? What does the Bible say? There are many other miracles Jesus did, not recorded, but these are recorded that you might believe as the Son of God and witness pertaining to his name. How many miracles has he done in your life that are not recorded in this Bible, but are as powerful as any miracles he did to Bartimaeus, or the crippled man, or the lepers? I've shared with you from this pulpit The miracles that he's done in Connie and my life. 
And I share those at least ten times a year with people coming in and talking to me about whether God is real and whether he's with them in their storm. And when I share stories about God moments that know their explanation, then you feel free to share with me your stories about the God moments in your life. You're witnessing to me as I'm witnessing to you. What does it do? It bolsters our faith. Lutherans are solid with regards to doctrine. There are no denomination that matches us. We believe the Bible is God's inerrant, infallible word. We believe Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. We believe that Jonah was swallowed by that whale. We believe that Jesus died on that cross and rose again. We believe that you are saved by faith, by grace, not by your works. No one is sounder in doctrine than Lutherans. But when it comes to witnessing, I have a feeling at times that Lutherans say, well, that's for the Baptists or the non-denominational that belong to someone else. Doctrine is solid. You wrap your arms around it like an anchor. But witnessing is more flighty and more nebulous. Witnessing changes as the environment changes. If you ask John Bohr whether he witnesses now like he did 40 years ago at St. Pete's Arlington Heights or Memphis Tennessee, or how he witnessed when he came here 33 years ago, John Bohr would say, as any of us would do, no, no, the message changed. The central figure doesn't change. Jesus Christ died and risen from the dead. But the message changed. Sometimes when I witness, it's loud. Sometimes when I witness LA Fitness, it's quiet. Sometimes it's very deep and intellectual and sometimes it's very simple. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, I'm a free man, a slave of no one, but I make myself a servant of everybody so that I might save as many as possible. When I'm with a Jew, I act like a Jew. When I'm with a Gentile, I act like a Gentile. I want to save as many as possible. When he's on Mars Hill with the great philosophers, he's the most intellectual man that you could ever imagine. But when he's with the Gentiles... 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I fed you milk, not solid food. You weren't ready for the solid food. Praying mantis. My grandchildren called a praying mantis in the fall. Put it in one of those butterfly boxes. Gave him a name. Named his praying mantis. And then Papa and Grandma said to him, It's kind of cruel. Well, why don't you let him free? And so there's a big ceremony as they let the praying mantis free. When the praying mantis is on the sidewalk, he's gray. When he's on the grass, he's green. When he climbs up the tree, he's brown. Still a praying mantis. But he changes according to his environment. So does the Christian witness. So does the Christian witness. Changes. Sometimes loud, sometimes quiet, sometimes forceful, sometimes winsome. 
sometimes intellectual, sometimes simple. God lets you know. Jesus said to his disciples, You'll be my witnesses. You'll stand before the tribunals and the judges. But I don't want you to be nervous because the Holy Spirit uh, will tell you what to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. And when they got up and preached, the day after Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to the faith, many of those who came to the faith were the intellectuals, they were the priests, the priests. And these unlearned men, the Spirit spoke through them. People say about Christians, they think they're in the army reserves. They come to once a week drills called church. And then they go back home and then they come the next weekend to their army reserve drills. The Christians say about themselves, if I needed to fight for Christianity, if I needed to risk my life for it, I would. I'd fight for it. I'd die for it. Many a Christian does not realize that the battle is going on right now. What battle? The battle of those who believe that God is real and those who believe is a fairy tale. The battle of those who say, when you pray to someone invisible, how foolish a thing to do. And those of us who, when we pray, we believe that God is as powerful and loving and as wise as one could ever imagine. And we're praying to that entity. What battles, people, what battles? After you leave this worship service during this next week, you're going to bump into someone who has trouble with forgiveness of some sin that they committed. You're going to bump into someone who is so intensely lonely. You're going to bump into someone who has shame or guilt. You're going to bump into someone, many of them, who are overwhelmed by fear and worry on a daily basis. You're not in the army reserves, neither am I. My pulpit is not just Trinity Lutheran Church. My pulpit is LA Fitness or wherever else I am. You and I have a message. John Bohr has had a message for 42 years. And whether he's teaching here or whether he's coaching swimming at some local school or coaching football in some public school, he says in his own document at the 930 service, these give me opportunity to witness about the gospel. You don't have to look very far. They're on the commuter train. They're in your classroom at high school. They're in your fraternity. They're in your neighborhood. They're in the family you've married into. You don't need to look very far to find someone who needs to know about his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, his presence, his peace, his salvation. You don't need to look very far. Martin Luther said, 
What does one do if they feel no need for the sacrament? And then he gave an answer. You need but look at the world. The sin and the anger and the hatred that exists. And he said this 500 years ago. You need but look at the world and you understand the need for the sacrament. He would also say to you, What if I feel no need to witness about my Savior? And he would say the same thing. You need but look at this world. The hunger and the thirst for God, the nakedness because people don't have him, the sin and terror and fear that exists. And when you but look at the world, then you understand that God has put you wherever he has put you, policeman, fireman, accountant, truck driver, teacher, doctor, he's put you where he's put you so that you might witness about him. Thank you, John Bohr, for 42 years. And thank you for the rest of your days on this earth witnessing about your Lord and Savior. And thank you to so many of you who over 30 years have shared with me your stories about God touching your life and there's no other explanation. And that's what Pastor Shower and I have tried to do all of these years, to witness about him. In the pulpit on a Sunday morning, out there, the rest of the days of the week, in our Savior's powerful name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, he's in that building where he fixes cars. I'm not. He's in the fire station, New Lenox. I'm not. I'll never be on a commuter train. My commute is a sidewalk. (laughs) I'll never be in that cubicle at Andrew Corporation. I'll never be a server at Cooper's Hog Restaurant. I would like to, but I'll never drive a truck interstate. I'm too old to be in that high school or that college or that fraternity or that sorority. I will never be in that plumber's union. I will be here, and I'll be out and about during the week, and I'll be in the children's wards at some hospital, and I'll be in the oncology ward at Silver Cross Hospital. I will be where they're not. They will be where I'm not. But we have the same task given to us by God. We're not on army reserve. We're fighting a battle every single day. And we shall win. Because the story we tell is a story about God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And everything He has ever done for us and for this world. May it be so in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.